Opening your Bibles, Acts 4. Uh, just so you know, I don't wear a suit lightly. Um, uh, and this is not setting a new trend or anything. But a man that I served with for 16 years, he was a worship pastor with me for 16 years. Um, uh, he, he moved last Sunday. Uh, he now lives in heaven. And um, there's a memorial service for him today back in Suffolk. And so immediately following 12 o'clock service, in fact, when I finish uh, preaching, Pastor Bobby's going to come up at that service and lead us through the invitation, and I'm out the door and getting a card to get there in time. Uh, that'll give me just enough time to get there. But uh, my two children that live in, in uh, uh, are going to be there. Ian's going from Lynchburg, and my daughter is with us uh, uh, today, and we'll be driving down. So just letting you know, that's what's going on. Uh, want to tell you more about the funeral than this, but, uh, or the memorial service. But uh, that's why I'm wearing this. And a wise man once told me that he could only get it together once a day. And so I figure I've got to wear a suit to the, to the funeral. So since I can't get it together twice a day, I had to put this on first. Because this is as good as it's going to get all day. So um, th- that's why that. I, I want to talk to us today about the one solution problem. I was, I was speaking with Bobby Sims uh, before service. Uh, he meets and prays with me at 7 o'clock. And anybody's welcome to come. Man, woman, boy, girl, child, teenager, you're all welcome. It's an open prayer meeting. Um, but... But Brother Bobby Sins has become very, very regularly to that. But we were talking, we were saying how the song so many times are, and I, and I was telling you, yeah, that's what I was trying to describe last week, that, that y'all are singing like, that phrase is perfect. That's, that's exactly what we're going to be talking about. And in fact, the, that song in the middle, I can't even, I don't even, not the middle, the first one, I don't even know the name, I can't remember the name. One of my, I love that song, I've only sung it like twice, but it's one of my favorites, but man, that just... The idea that we give God what we have, and, and, and compared to what he gave us is so little, but he takes that and he uses such a, such a tiny offering compared to Calvary. You know, and so we're, this passage, as you know, Peter and John, they're, being, they're, they're, they're going through a little bit of suffering and, uh, uh, for, for Christ. But in the midst of all this, that last song applied... We're calling out, Peter and John are calling out to dry bones to come alive. Calling out to dead men to come alive. Did you, did, I hope you're listening to Brother Bobby Wade as he gave testimony. I, I don't remember, I, I believe some people, actually some of our kids led some people to pray, didn't they? Yeah, yeah we saw people saved in uh, uh, E now. And uh, I was one of the adults that had to come and go. I had a deacon's meeting and a council meeting. And so uh, two, the two night sessions, I couldn't be there. And uh, believe it or not, I'm qualified to drive your children in a bus. That ought to scare you. But anyway, I am. And I, I'm super extra careful when I do. But, but uh, so they lost a driver with me and they had to double up with Brother Bobby. But, but to see our kids doing that. And, and, and uh, yesterday was my birthday. And one of those teenagers wrote me a, a happy birthday. And only, I wouldn't normally tell you this. But she, she put on there that I inspire her. It just That was one of the phrases. And I said, thank you, you inspire me. And she said, how? I said, because you show up and, and you're doing all you can do to follow Christ. And she said, well, I try to do my best, which I let her know angels can do no more than that. Did you know that? Angels can only do their best too. So you can do as much as an angel. Um, and, and, she said, and she said, thank you, I want to be a missionary. That's one of our kids. So what example are we setting? And these kids went out and they were, I mean, I, I talked about talking about atheists. I was with young people 
And it was one of the young ladies in our church, man, she was giving it back as hard as I was. She was giving it to him, letting him know what was what, and I was so proud of him uh, and, and what they did. And, and in my head, even as we were singing that song, Dry Bones, I, I hope you'll forgive me for this image, but I, I thought about zombies. And I'm, so forgive me. But, but in, 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 in fantasy television, there's you know, a very, very popular TV show, The Walking Dead, and there's no hope. I mean, if you're a zombie, that's it. You're, you're, there's no hope. You, there's no cure. There's nothing's going to happen. And we are called to go to men who are the walking dead and give them the thing that's going to bring them truly to life. And we hold on to it, right? We, we, we hold back. And we see Peter and John doing this and we see what's going on with them just so you know that all the things that you will hear when you try to share Christ, people have been saying for over 2,000 years. Because we come to the part where now they dismiss Peter and John and they're going to talk about what are we going to do about it. Now, would you stand with me? Let me read it before I start talking about it. Um, verse, beginning in verse 13 of, of Acts chapter 4. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to lead the council, they conferred with one another saying, what shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you, Rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom the sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. Would you pray with me? Lord God, again, Father, we we step into the presence of there in, in your throne room. And Lord, we recognize that we are in the presence of the holy. You are thrice holy. You're perfectly holy. And Lord, because of your grace, you have made us holy. You have set us apart for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, may we not institutionalize and take for granted what you have done. That you have set us apart for, you, for yourself. For what you want to do in us, not what we want to do for ourselves. And may this day, Lord, may this day, we honor and glorify you in the name of Jesus. And Lord, show us indeed what it is you want us to see out of your word. For we need you to open our eyes of understanding. For we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. So many times in these uh, passages, there are several things that we can pull out and, and, uh, and, and kind of go at. And today, I'm calling it the one solution problem. That... There, there is only one solution, but the problem is not with Peter and John. The problem is with the Sadducees, the, the council, the Sanhedrin. They've only got one solution, but they don't like it, and so they deny the solution. Because the solution to their problem is believe on Jesus as the Christ. And everything points to that. 
But they ignore that solution because that is the one thing they feel they cannot do. They cannot do. The, the, the Irish uh, have, have a saying, uh, it's, it's throw your cap over the wall. And President John Kennedy used that in 1960 when he declared we'd be going to the moon within a decade. And he said we're going to throw our cap over the wall. And what the Irish mean by that is uh, if you're an Irishman and you're walking across the countryside and you come to a high wall and you can't get over it. There's no gate. There's no way to get over it. And it's tough to climb it. You're an Irishman. You're too lazy to do it, right? So they take off their hat and throw it over the wall. Well, you're too cheap to lose a good hat. So you've got to get over the wall now. And it's the idea of making the situation, I got to succeed. I have to accomplish this. And the Sadducees come up to that point, the, the council comes up to that point, and they refuse to get over that wall. And Peter and John, their part in this story is, is truly amazing. Here's what I want you to take home with you today. After all is considered, there's only one possibility. I, I promise you, uh, as I was talking about having that conversation with that gentleman, I offered him to read some things I had, and he said, I don't need to. I don't want to. I said, oh, are you telling me you're so insecure in your belief that you can't read a different opinion? Which I hope he thought about later. Because guess what? Nobody can disprove Christianity. I'm not afraid to read what anybody else says. Even if it confuses me for a minute, I know there's an answer to it. I've got that much confidence in God and in Christ and in the Scripture. This past uh, Monday, uh, we went with the senior saints here at, at, uh, at Calvary to the Museum of the Bible. And, and they were gracious uh, to give that to me as a birthday present, we'll call it. And uh, so I got to go. I didn't, have, I didn't have to pay to get in. They made me buy or buy lunch. But other than that, no, they didn't. I'm, I'm kidding. That didn't happen. But, but I got to go. And, and I was impressed beyond what I thought I would be. It, it was amazing. A lot of the things I studied. But they had Luther's Bible study by with the notes written in it. Of course, it was in German. I couldn't read a lick of it. But it was pretty cool to see it there in a case. But, but as I looked at that in the Bible through history and how God has protected it. In fact, some of the things I had said to that gentleman that week was there on display. How they copied the Bible. How we know that we have what God wants us to have. And when you look at all the evidence, there's only one possibility, and that is Jesus is God. He is the Christ. He's the only way to heaven. There's no other way, as said in verse 12, given among men, no other name among men, whereby we must be saved, only Jesus. And if you come to that point and you cling to Christ, then all else is eliminated. Making that one decision makes every decision in your life. It's Christ alone. So I don't get to decide what I want to do. He decides for me. I don't get to decide where to live, who to marry, what job to have. Nothing. It's his choice because I belong to him. And Peter and John had realized that total abandonment on Christ. And they are following Christ. And in this story, we see the problem that the Sadducees, the council, the Pharisees along with them were having. And so let's pick up the story there in verse 13. Notice what it says. They saw their boldness. Now remember, this is not that long after the resurrection. It's within months. I, I, you know, probably within a year of everything. And if you'll remember, where were the disciples at the crucifixion? Oh yeah, hiding, all except John. Now John, that guy, he's, he's in this story too. But Peter's run. They've all run away. 
Where, where, were, where were the disciples when Jesus was on the, They're hiding in an upper room, afraid they're next. They live in fear. For 40 more days, Christ meets with them, talks with them, encourages them. But it is not until the coming of the Holy Spirit that they receive the boldness to speak. You with me? And remember, just I, I don't have time to run down this whole doctrine and, and the things behind it. But if you are saved, you have the Holy Spirit. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not saved. Okay? And speaking in tongues, just by the way, if you come from a charismatic background or you're influenced by that, it's not the only spiritual gift. And not everybody has every spiritual gift. So you can be filled with the Spirit and not speak in tongues if you think that's your sign. Um, here's your sign. You do have a spiritual gift. And God expects you to use your spiritual gift within the body to build up the body. Spiritual gifts are given that the body might exercise itself to holiness. You follow me? You got to keep those principles in mind. But having said that, these, this council is amazed because they know these two guys used to hide. These are the guys they could run around that were scared of them. And they said they saw the boldness, which was an indication something's happened. Something's different. You ever known that guy? Have you ever known? I, I, got a, I know a guy in Suffolk. And I don't even know when I met him or whatever. But I saw him witnessing in the YMCA many, many, many years ago. He's a very young guy. And he turned around, he called me by name and told me what I meant to him. And I don't, I don't know when that happened. I, I, that happens sometimes. Don't even know when it was. But the boy had been in jail for drugs, selling, distributing, all this stuff. That dude is going around preaching even to this day, preaching the word, preaching Christ. I mean, his life was drastically transformed. And since he thinks I had something to do with that, he keeps up with me and he prays for me and he blesses me and I get to keep up with him a little bit. And I found out he's actually related to my son-in-law somehow. I don't know. But when they saw that boldness, they were like, those guys were scared fishermen and now they're standing up here talking right at us. So that was one evidence. Second evidence, they saw their deficiency. Do you understand that your deficiency is what God likes to use? Because we all know you're not that good. We all know you, you can't do that. And, and some of you, as, as Bobby was talking about those teenagers, man, you're sending kids out there to talk to strangers? Yeah, that's awesome. Because they don't think they know what they're doing. They're scared. So they got to depend on the Holy Spirit, right? And it says right there in the verse, they saw the boldness of Peter and John, perceived they were uneducated and common men. They were astonished. Now, when it says uneducated, it means, does not mean they didn't know anything. In fact, if you've got education, don't let your education get in the way of you learning things, okay? Sometimes that can happen. There, there are people, they get... They, they got so many degrees, they ought, you ought to call them Dr. Fahrenheit, you know. And, and, but being wise, they've become fools because they miss the truth. And that's these guys' problem. What that means is they didn't go to our school. They didn't sit under our rabbis. They've not been trained in our school of thinking and by what our teachers teach. And then thirdly, they did see the source of their education. They recognized they'd been with Jesus. Now, we, we've, that phrase has been used a lot in, 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 in Christian life. But here's what they're saying. That's the stuff Jesus taught. Because you were identified by your teacher. In Eastern, it still goes on in Eastern world. But in the Eastern education, especially back then, 
You didn't go to a school and sit in a classroom. You identified with the teacher and you just lived around him and learned from him and listened to him. And as he lived life, he taught you. And when they heard what Peter and John were saying, they recognized that that's the teachings of Christ, of of Jesus. They wouldn't have said Christ, of Jesus. And then the fourth thing, they saw the miracle. But seeing the man who was healed standing before them, catch it. They had nothing to say in opposition. They got a guy that was crippled, now he's healed. And, they, and you can't say, oh, that was a trick. I mean, there's some preachers out there, they, they, they have these big crusades and they do things that are tricks. This was no trick. I mean, we were singing that song, you know, Dry Bones. And I got to thinking about what I was saying about Peter grabbing that guy and saying, in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk, and jerks him to his feet. He's saying to those bones, those, be healed in the name of Jesus and expect God to do it. And God did it. And these men are like, what can we say about it? There's the evidence. These men are, ex- are exercising what I said uh, last week, that some people won't believe the truth even with the facts in front of them. So you just heard a rehearsal of the facts. They looked at the facts and like. These scared guys are now bold. They didn't learn from us, but they know some stuff. Jesus has taught them, and they sound like they know what they're talking about. And we got a healed guy in front of us. So they dismiss them. Now, when I read this in the text, that um, in, in, in verse 15, uh, when they commanded them to leave the council, it's almost like we don't want to talk in front of them. But that's a common thing. It's like, okay, move them out of the way. We're going to talk about this. In, in our system, the judge goes to his chambers. In this system, they send the prisoners back out. So they send them out. Uh, don't make too much of that, but they start talking among themselves. And so, so what's happened, there's a bug in the room. God, the Holy Spirit, had to reveal this to Luke uh, or to John to know what they said. Uh, because we wouldn't have known. But it says, or, or maybe Paul was there. Maybe Paul could tell them. I don't know. What shall we do with these men? And so they state the problem. I almost called this sermon, what do you do with a problem like Maria? Y'all saw the sound of music? Good girl, just a lot of problems, you know, just always causing mischief. But great girl. And they're looking at these guys and they're thinking, the facts are, they're right. But we don't want them to be right. We don't want them to be right. What are we going to do? We don't know what to do. They had no clue of an answer. What are we going to do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed for them is evident to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and catch us and we cannot deny it. Now, surface reading, it means, yeah, we can't say it didn't happen. But read under, under that. If they could have said it didn't happen and gotten by with it, they would have. Just like they did the resurrection of Christ. They floated that lie, and I promise you, next Easter, check all your news feeds. There will be tons and tons and tons of, did Jesus really rise from the dead? And they'll throw, float every theory that's ever been. All those theories are 2,000 years old, and they started here with the Sanhedrin. He didn't really die. He just passed out. Mary went to the wrong tomb. Just a ton of stuff, and it's all ridiculous. But they knew this is one lie we can't tell you call that a lie that can fly many a husband has thought one of those up what can I tell my wife that she'll believe 
That's kind of a joke, but I see some of y'all smiling. All right, so. And I, you call that, what's the lie that can fly? Okay, what will, what will fly? And they said, we can't, we can't lie. And so they stated the problem. They said, well, here's what we're going to have to do. So it spread no further among the people. Let's warn them not to speak to no more to anyone in this name. I, I want you to just catch this. In John 11, this is the same group of people that said this about Jesus. In John 11, verse 47, 48, and I encourage you to read the whole context of it. So the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, what are we going to do? What are we to do? For this man performs many signs. And if we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. Back when, before they put Jesus on the cross, they said, what are we going to do? Because he's acting like the Messiah and all the signs point to the fact he is. But if we let it happen, we're going to lose our power. We're going to lose our place. You could write the word politician in there under Sanhedrin or Pharisee or Sadducee. Because newsflash, not all of them, but a bunch of them do what serves them, not you. And then they try to preserve their position. Many people in power do that. They do what keeps them in power, what keeps them comfortable, wealthy, whatever you want to call it. And they ignore the facts of the reality. The same group are now looking at Peter and John and doing the same thing. Well, we don't want this to spread. And if they keep performing miracles, how about figure out why are they able to perform miracles? I, I talk to people not only religiously, sometimes in other realms. And I always challenge them about the facts. I don't like that guy. I don't like the way he talks. I don't like that, that woman. She, I, don't, I don't like what, how she says things. I said, well, tell me something they said wasn't true. Well, well, I just don't like them. I just don't like the way they say it. But is it true? You don't have to like how it sounds. There's a, there's a political pundit today says that has, his catchphrase is this. The facts are, don't care about your feelings. And Peter and John are looking at these guys, and the guys, the, the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, are looking at the facts and acknowledging they're true and won't accept Jesus as their Messiah. There's no solution to their problem. And so they say, well, let's tell them to quit doing that. <laughs> or what? Which is Peter and John's answer. <laughs> or what? What are you going to do? Kill us? Good. I mean, what do you do with a guy that living is the same as dying and dying is the same as living? What do you do with that guy? What do you do with a Paul? And Satan comes and says, hey, if you do what I say, I'll give you everything. Can't. I already have everything. All right, well, I'm going to take everything you got away from you. You can't. I don't own anything. Paul said, having all things, owning nothing. That's a phrase from Paul. And when you live a Christian life so that everything that you think you own, you realize you don't, that it belongs to God and it's not yours, nobody can take it away from you. They're stealing it from God. Right? Including your life, which does not belong to you, the Bible says. For your life is not your own. Your body is not your own. It's been bought with a price. God paid for you and you're his slave. And when you realize that you're his slave, then whatever he tells you to do, you got to do it. And that's where Peter and John are in the Sanhedrin are still living for themselves. 
So I love their boldness and confidence. Look what happens. Down in verse 18. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. I don't know about you. I, I've told you before. I've got this imagination, and it runs crazy sometimes. I tell you, it's scary to be inside my head. Don't, don't ever try to get in there. I've seen many a psychiatrist, need a psychiatrist have talking to me. I'm kidding, but I can just see the Sanhedrin. And what it sounds like to me is either the adults in a Peanuts cartoon or the chipmunks. Or it's, you boys better quit talking about Jesus. And Peter and John, I, I got a feeling Peter and John just kind of heard it that way. I, I think, I don't know if they were laughing out loud, but I think Peter and John are laughing inside like, really? That's the best you got? I mean, we've already been through more than that. We're going to go through more than that. You know, Peter's sitting there thinking, Jesus told me I'm going to die. So in a bad way, is this the day? It's not. Oh, cool. I get to live a little bit longer and still serve Jesus. That was Paul's attitude. To go away is good for me, but to stay is good for you. And I'm in a tight between two because I'd rather go away, but I'm going to stay with you because you need me. I mean... To live here or live there made no difference to them because they're still living with Christ. Christ was so real to them. Whether they knew him here or lived with him there, it was the same thing. But see, we are so separated from the reality of a relationship with God, even though we claim his name, that we don't want to lose our houses and our land and our power and our prestige and our place in society and our money and all those things. And these men had let go of everything. They are totally surrendered To the lordship of Jesus Christ. And so (laughs) they get a warning. And I want to point something out about the language of this, of what Luke records. And whether it was said this way, which I think it was, but Luke makes a point of it by using this language. This is an indirect warning. They didn't say, now Peter and John, if you speak once more in the name of Jesus, we're going to bring you back in here. We're going to beat you with an inch of your life, literally. And we'll jail you and we might even put you to death. They just generally said, now you boys got to, and that's why I said you boys, because they didn't even address them directly. They're like, now all you guys quit talking about Jesus. But Peter and John, in the very next verse, play no such game. Peter sticks that prophet finger right up there, maybe John, right in their face. And he says in verse 19, Peter and John answer him, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you judge that. And then this great statement. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. That was one of those lyrics in that song. Out of our overflowing heart. How can I not speak about Christ? See here's. That's a great statement. And boy we love to say amen to that. But turn it around. If you're not speaking. Of what you've seen and heard. It might be because you've not seen or heard anything. I don't know about you, but that's where it gets me. It's a direct answer. But in that answer, Peter and John are saying, we are witnesses of the resurrection. You say, well, I didn't live back then. I couldn't see the resurrection. That's, that's interesting because in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul said, and last of all, he's appeared to me also. Now, we know that Paul had an actual vision of Christ. 
But my point is this, when you come to Christ, you better see him as he is. You better understand who he is and who you are and how bad you need him. And he is God and he is king. And you're going to bow before him and say, my Lord and my God. And you're going to surrender everything to him. And if you don't see him that way, if you're just getting fire insurance and coming to church to look good and wearing a suit just because it looks good, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. Like I said, I don't want to make church a comfortable place for people to go to hell from. And Peter and John says, say, we cannot but speak what we've seen and heard. In other words, we're not going to shut up and you don't scare us. And the last verse, which I got to cover because it's in there, but it's so superfluous. It's so funny. It's a de- I called it a desperate send-off. And when they further threaten them, no, we really mean it. You boys better not talk about Jesus anymore. Peter and John had to be just rolling on the floor laughing. They let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For they were all praising God for what had happened. Maybe our witness isn't effective because we don't have any evidence that God is at work in our lives. I'm being tough on me and letting you listen in. Where is the evidence that God is using me to make a difference in anybody's life? For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old why does it make a point about his age because nobody could deny that the dude wasn't playing a game they didn't they didn't get a guy to pretend to be crippled everybody in town knew that that guy had been crippled for 40 years begging for money and peter and john see a work of god in their life and it causes a riot and when the authorities tell them don't talk about that anymore they go you talking to me how, how can i not talk about jesus did you see what happened? He's right there. See him? He's standing up. <laughs> he can jump up and down. He can, he's good. What do you mean don't talk about it? Well, you boys better quit. Now go on. It cracks me up. But there's something I want you to catch here. Because I feel like sometimes people that come to church are more like the Sanhedrin than they are like Peter and John. I feel like I'm sometimes more like the Sanhedrin than like Peter and John. Well, what will people think? If I do that, what will people say? Well, when it comes to obeying Christ, just do it. Remember, you're going to make, you're going to make somebody mad. Just pick who it is you want to make mad. And I don't want to make God mad. So Peter and John, they, you judge whether we ought to obey God or not. In other words, we're going to obey God, no matter what you say. So how can you apply this in your life? Well, I got three short things. They're not as plain as they should be, so I need to explain a little bit. First one is, know the Bible, believe the facts. This book, this book contains the reality of who God is. It tells you everything you need to know about who God is and what he's done for you and what he wants to do for you. It reveals his mind, it reveals his will, it reveals his heart. It reveals his actions and history. It reveals everything. This is the only book that within its covers is consistent. Every other religious book is inconsistent in between the front cover and the back cover. It be it the Book of Mormon, be it the translation, so-called, of the Jehovah Witnesses, the New World Translation. It's not a translation. It's just he did what he, he wanted to do. He couldn't even read Greek, so how could he translate a Bible? Uh, whether it be uh, the books uh, of Islam, the Quran, if, if, uh, the, the, the teachings of Buddha, which weren't written down for, until 700 years after he died. This was written by eyewitnesses in the presence of eyewitnesses. And this is the only religious book in the world 
covering, and this is why it's such a miracle, 1,400 years, 40 plus authors, and no disagreement in it. So when somebody tells me the Bible's full of errors, I hand them one, hand them one and say, show me one. Because they can't. Stick to the facts. Know the Bible, believe the facts. Trust them. Trust the Bible. And if somebody tells me something I don't know, I trust the Bible so much to know that I can find an answer to know that they're wrong. You say, well, that's mighty closed-minded. Well, I don't walk around with an open mouth because if I don't close down on food, I'll starve to death. And when you close down on truth, you recognize error even if you don't understand why it's an error yet. So know the Bible and believe the facts. These men had the facts in front of them and wouldn't believe them. And by believe, I mean trust. And so know the Bible and trust Jesus Christ. Buddha can't save you. Mary can't save you. Allah certainly cannot save you. Only Christ can save you. And if you will hang on the revelation and the lamb, you might get hung for it, but you, you can never be moved off of that. And you know heaven's your home, so it doesn't matter what happens here on earth. So know the Bible, not only trust the facts, know the Bible, believe in Christ. That's where Peter and John are. We saw him up out of the tomb. He's alive. He, you killed him. He was dead. Now he's alive. What do you want us to do about that? There's nothing we can do. These are the facts. And they just cho- the Sanhedrin chose not to believe the facts. And then thirdly, know the Bible, speak the facts. It's not enough to trust the Bible and trust Christ. We've got to talk about him. So grateful Bobby gave that testimony about our teenagers. They learned how and they went out and did. They spoke the facts. They went out and talked to people. You can do that. You can, you can start a conversation. You can talk to people about Christ. And maybe if we do, we'll see some people's lives changed. And when people see people's lives changed, they go, what in the world's going on? What an awesome thing.